We're going to start a new series that's going to lead us into Christmas. So we're going to work our way through 1 John. Uh, We've called the series Radiant Light, Love on Fire. And um, Paddy, our curate, has helped put this series together uh, with James. And um, it's really exciting. Probably quite challenging, which is what we love. So I'm going to invite James uh, Meldrum to come and read the word to us. And then James is going to preach. We're reading from um, John's first letter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Jim asked me to read it in the Greek. I'm not quite sure why. No, joking. Interesting. Keeping you on your toes. (laughs) You've always did. (laughs) We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard. What we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and that was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of God. Let's grab somebody on our left and our right. Father, we pray for them as we pray for ourselves. Change them in the next few minutes. And I pray that my words will be forgotten, but that your word will burn in our hearts like a fire that can never be doused by the world's crap. I don't even know if you can say that in a prayer. (laughs) Um, But just set us ablaze, Lord, with love for you. Sorry, forgive me. Question for you is what do you want? What do you want? As COVID kind of is around us, but life returns to normal. We probably all thought, how will I be different? How will I live differently in response? Will it go back to normal? And so my question for you is, what do you want? I think the question Jesus is asking of this church and of me, I think what he's asking of his church overall is, will you make a throne for me? Will you really make a throne for me in your hearts, in your lifestyle, 
in this church, at work, at home, in your thought life? Will you make a throne for me? And I haven't got a lot today to say to you, but I, I feel very emotional because of my, my lack. You know, I look around, you know, and I know myself. It's not a, a bad self-image. You know, I look around, there's a billion incredible gifts assembled in this room. Intellect, law, art, technology, you know, education. There's a billion different incredible gifts. We have nothing without Jesus. We have nothing without him. And if I ask you the question, who here loves Jesus, rightly so, we'd all roar back. And yet, I just feel like Jesus is saying, it's time to go up a level. Will you make a throne in your hearts? Not just in church on Sundays. Will we make a throne? And a throne is where a king sits and where he rules from without any quenching and restriction. But will you make a throne for me on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, at home, in your thought life? Will you make a throne for me? I feel, I, you know, I, I'm preaching to myself here. You know, I, I just look at my own life. I think, what do I want? And I know that nothing lasts which is not him. It really doesn't. We were talking with our teenagers, you know, and I was trying to tune in with where are current young people at? You know, and I was saying, like, what do teenagers aspire for today? Like, what are, what are the guys that you're at school with? What do they really want for their lives? And the answer that they told me is they say that they're after getting rich. Because the narrative in the world is if you've got money, that gives you choices, that gives you power, that gives you freedom from worry, that gives you, fr you know, you can do what you like. Money is the thing. And yet, how many people do we bury where money isn't doing them any, any good now? You know, we, and we persuade ourselves that we're leaving a legacy for our, for our families, and that's all very well and good. But Jesus said, it is harder for the rich to pass, <laughs> to enter the kingdom than it is for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. And you and I have been chosen by God to live in one of the richest places on planet Earth. And how many times do we say, oh, if, if, if only we had this, or if only we had that, or, or next year when we've done it, da, 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 or if I had a house like them, or if I had, you know, all that. Shh. Doesn't mean anything. Blessed are the poor. And we can say poor in spirit if we read Matthew's version, but blessed are the poor, says Luke, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's because they have no ties to their hearts apart from the king. 
Because often, you know, the richer you get, the harder it is to keep your heart free of unquenched, unfiltered adoration of Jesus Christ as King of Kings. You know, I say this to myself, you know, because what he asks of us is, would you sell it all in a moment? You don't have to, but would you? So that you're free of him. I'm, listen, I'm not going after money this morning. But I'm just saying, this is, will we make a throne for him in our hearts? Will we? You know, because the world is getting increasingly fractious. I'm not doing the world down. We love it, but it is dark. And we deserve to give the world a church on fire. With the depth of our songs when we gather, but with the depth of our surrender on rainy Thursday mornings at work, and in our homes, and in our thought life, and with our priorities and our moral choices, to make a throne for him in our hearts. Is this all right? It's all I've got. You know, I'm just... Uh, you know, and we need each other to call each other on to say no compromise. When we get busy, when it gets to October and the terms started and da 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 da, no, daily dying to ourselves, daily rising to live for Christ, daily, constant, every moment praying without ceasing. He is the King, and He's going to reign in my heart over my dead body, life laid down. For him and him alone. Now there's a couple of... John's going to give us full throttle in this letter. And there's a couple of um, keys in these first four verses which I just want to pull out for us. And the first centers around this phrase, word of life. And word of life, we kind of miss over, you know, we go, oh, it's... Christianese, whatever. It's the kind of stuff the Bible says, word of life. But when they would have heard it, they would have heard John, when he said word of life, meaning the secret to the universe. The thing. You know, higher than anything. You know, what, what would it be today? A cancer cure or a pill that gives you immortal life. The secret to all of life as it is. That's what that phrase would have meant. Logos te soe. And when he said that, they would, have, they would have known that he was talking about the most important thing ever. And John opens his letter with this and he says, we declare to you. So the first thing we notice is that there's a we. John is speaking on behalf of a family, a movement, a plural. John's saying we that he is representing something that has happened to a whole bunch of people that he's coming to tell this bunch of people about. And he's not kind of bringing a few ideas because nobody likes exclusivity. He's not bringing just some suggestions, you know, to help us improve our lives. He is saying, we declare. We are presenting to you the thing. We declare to you. What was from the beginning. By the way, if you haven't brought your Bible, let's bring them, shall we? Because I don't want us sitting in church listening to a wicked talk, and by the time we've finished our lunch, we've forgotten it all. 
so that we can read in our Bibles what it says in Jesus' word on, on Monday morning when we get up and have some time with the Lord. Okay? Sorry. <laughs> I'm excited to be back, so please hear me, but I, ju- I just, it's Jesus. My title th- this morning is Only Jesus. That's it. Only Jesus. Anyway, so John says, we, this, from this movement, we declare, we're telling you what was from the beginning. And the word beginning there is the word arche in the original language from which we derive archaeology. He's saying we've unearthed from the origins of the created order, from before anything was made, we're coming to declare to you what was, what existed before anything existed. We declare to you what was from the beginning. So we should have his attention. You know, if we heard someone say that today, then we would pay attention whether they're lying, whether they really have got the truth. We declare to you what was from the beginning. And then he zooms in. What we have heard. If this was a secret to life, John's heard about it. It existed before life was created, and now John's heard about it. What we have heard, and he sharpens it again. What we have seen with our eyes. We've seen the secret to life with our eyes. What we have looked at, and he sharpens it again, and touched with our hands. We've touched this thing. We've literally looked at it and touched it. Concerning the secret to the universe, the word of life. Now we know what his name is, and it's the most beautiful name. What is his name? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he says, this life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it. We're giving you evidence. So it's either false evidence or it's true evidence. There's no in-between. And I would say to you, if it was false evidence, then surely by now it would have been disproven. And if it's true evidence, that surely explains why we just cannot, however toxic or strong any culture in any nation gets, it cannot suppress the movement of Jesus. It just can't. We've seen it and testified to it, and we declare to you the eternal life, the life that has no beginning and will have no end, that was with the Father and was revealed to us. And so the first key is this. Life is a person, and his name is Jesus. And if we're to build a throne for him in our hearts, then what he is drawing out of us is constant, continuous engagement with him as a person in every day, in every moment. Not memorization of Bible verses and then going into our own zone. Not trying to remember a really great talk we listened to that whatever, but constant engagement with his person. 
Yeah, we go on about the Father in this church and we go on about the Spirit. And that's the beauty of the person of Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, who have you seen? You've seen the Father. In fact, he said more than that. He said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me and we'll make our home in you. And the only reason any of us know this is because of the presence of the Spirit. So when we say engagement with the person of Jesus, we're really getting three in one. Glorious Trinity brought in reality to us. So constant engagement with the person of Jesus. And I'm setting the bar high. You know, and, and we might be thinking, well, it's easy if you're in ministry because you get to sit around and just, you know, Jim leads Bible studies all day long and we get someone nice like Finn on the keyboards and we're just da la la la. We're as busy as you are because we're trying to change the world. We're as busy as you are and we have to fight as you do for face-to-face time with God. But it's constantly, daily, Jesus, not even, I don't want to say daily, constantly in every moment, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I have nothing without you. Take the whole world, but give me you in your presence. Take everything, but give me you. Be here now. You know, override my flesh, which is weak and terrible and awful, and be magnified, be on a throne in my heart, constant engagement with the person of Jesus. And then we have all the answers for the legal case we're trying to work on or the whatever. You know, constant engagement with his person, loving him, worshipping him, loving him as he is, not as we think he should be, but just worshipping him, laying our lives down in every single moment. That's the first thing. Life as a person and the way we're going to build a throne is constantly engaging with him. So just grab a friend now. Let's just do that. Just say, Jesus, show me who you are right now. Whether my mind and my heart are clear or whether they're foggy. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? I worship you. I love you. I have no one else but you. Jesus, speak to your children. Thank you, Jesus. Hands up who felt they got something from Jesus. Felt him speaking. Yeah, lots of us. Who can do that tomorrow? I was with our brilliant young adults um, sometime, maybe back in the summer, and one of the questions was, can you tell us how you have time with God? How you do a quiet time? And I think I said no. (laughs) Because there's no secret to having time other than you making room as you are. There's no technique in the world, there's no, nothing you can Google that is going to make you set aside your life and make room for him. However you do it. So you do it as you do it. 
You do it as Lily. <laughs> you do it as Jim. And I'll do it as me. And he will come because he loves you. And he wants to take up residence. And he has taken up residence by status, but he wants to dwell in our hearts as we make room for him. Is this all right? Okay, the second thought I've got for us is let us enthrone him and love him as he is for all that he is. And we're living in a day and age where, let me apply this in a couple of ways. Um, we're living in a day and age where we all think that we're right. And so you'll hear lots of people saying, sometimes in the church, and some, very often times outside the church, that's fine, we love Jesus, but actually... Some of those things are a bit outdated these days. They need to be sort of updated <laughs> and move forward. What did Jesus say? If Jesus is king, he said, if you love me, what did he say? If you love me, you will obey my... Yeah. You see, when we try and divorce an emotional sense of who he should be from who he actually is and what he taught and what he said and what he asks of us, then what we're doing is we're creating an emotional idol in our minds which is detached from the reality of who he is. And we're not worshipping him, we're actually worshipping ourselves because we're saying, I'm giving my heart to how I am interpreting who he is and what he said. And let me just tell you the gospel. If God is real, then he had to get us back because he loves us. And if he had to get us back, then he had to, he had to make a sacrifice for all of the secret stuff in our hearts and sometimes overt stuff that twists up humanity and twists up my life. And so he sent Jesus. And he laid down his life. And he showed us three days later that even death bows the knee to him as king by rising from the grave. And he said, if you believe in me, <laughs> you will have eternal life forever and ever and ever. But by believing in him, we have to take him as he is, not as we think that he should be. So we are throwing off the idol of individualism and taking Jesus as he is, enthroned on our hearts. You know, because you Google it around and people say, well, there's much cleverer interpretations for a load of this stuff. And then you start making somersault after somersault after somersault and you read 12 different articles. Whereas actually if you take it as what he said, it makes sense. We just don't want to believe it and we don't want to die to ourselves. This makes sense? Now, right, let me sharpen this in another way. Is this okay, folks? This is the day and age we're living in. And it's not to condemn anybody, but it's just that the world needs the church looking like the Father, Son, Jesus Christ. 
not looking like a reflection of our culture. And our culture is coming in a very dominant fashion to shape us. It's even found a way of in, invading our thought life through these little devices we all carry in our pockets. Bzz, 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 and suddenly I'm pulled away from my constant engagement with Jesus. So let's place our phone in the pecking order in which it should be, which is way below the King of Kings, and let's be led by the King of Kings spirit who comes to speak to us and reveal truth to us. Right, amen. Um, so there's another little thing that we just need to understand if we're loving him for all that he is, is this word fellowship. We're telling you things, these things, we declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And fellowship really is a Christianese word. Like no one says fellowship apart from churches, do they? This is a great fellowship, whatever. Sometimes we have brotherhood. <laughs> if you're in a brotherhood, get out of there straight away. <laughs> And repent of your sin. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's filthy stuff and it'll twist up your life. But enough of that. Um, but truly, what does fellowship mean? It's the word koinonia. And, and that word is used of the fellowship of believers that formed after the Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts 2. But koinonia means way more than deep friendship. It means holy, intimate union. You know, think about when a husband and wife come together. You know, I took a wedding last weekend. You feel the sacred, holy power of when they are released from the wedding service to come together as husband and wife that night in holy, intimate, physical, spiritual union. And this is the type of sense of fellowship. And that fellowship, I mean, look around at these incredible people. That is what is, that's what we have because of Jesus with one another. Look around the room and find somebody you think you might not like very much. <laughs> In your heart, you know. It's good because we're purifying our hearts this morning. So you can do that and then just get rid of it straight away. Well, here's the, here's the incredible news. Jesus laid down his life for them to be yoked to you. To, to literally be like that with them. Inside of which the Father, the Son, and the Spirit dwell. Because our, our fellowship, our koinonia, our union is with one another and the Trinity. And this is where we close the divide from being a classic charismatic church who individualize our relationships and don't live them out at the horizontal level. You know, have you ever thought to yourself why most charismatic churches in this country are tiny? Because everybody loves worship, but then they just destroy each other at meetings. <laughs> don't they? <laughs> it's a caricature, I know, but... We're not called to be a charismatic church. We're called to be a Jesus church. And that means his presence is thick and our relationships are deep. And we send one another Monday to Saturday to live it out and cheer one another on, 
pray without ceasing, encourage one another, and then we gather again around Jesus to be built up again, to be transformed, and then to live it out again. Let me ask you a question. Who here believes that we are quite abundant in the spirit as a church? Yeah. All right. I don't know. Four out of ten. Getting there. <laughs> Improving. <laughs> um, I'll tell you one place we're not abundant. is world-class kids workers. Why is that? What's the divorce between the spiritual and the natural? It's our culture coming at us, making us think as individuals. Let me ask you another question. Who believes the church? Who, who desires that the church is in a, a better place in 25 years' time than it is now? Well, let me ask you a question. Why aren't you serving Holly in kids' church? Because it'll be on their watch. You know, when our eight-year-olds are 32, learned a bit of stuff, got their teenage stuff out of their system, competent, starting to kick on in their careers, ready to lead churches, all of that stuff. Should we be abundant at having kids leaders? You know, and... Um, Sometimes people say, well, we don't want to miss out what God's going to do in church. Hang on a minute. I forgot that church was restricted within a 15th, 15th century building in Ashington. Didn't realize that we suddenly were so religious and traditional. The church of Jesus Christ is the community that gathers around him and responds. And equips one another to go on mission in our lives every day of the week. Who here is in full-time ministry? Put your hands up. Who here is in full-time ministry? Come on, I know you are and you're amazing. Yeah, you're incredible. See, truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son and we love that. And it's with one another. And when we become abundant in serving, picking up dog poo, you know, she arrived first at 7 a.m. and left last and picked up the dog poo. If there's anyone who's going to sit close to Jesus, it's that girl. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is picking up dog poo so that those blades of grass can be holy ground for people to meet him for the first time and to come to him. Jesus is serving our children. Jesus is running groups. Man, Jim, right, ran training. Listen, I'm not beating you up in any way. I'm just saying, let's become abundant. Jim ran training to run our KFCs with a whole bunch of brilliant people. And one couple said they would take on a group. Because we fear responsibility in the kingdom. So fine. You go and take your fear of responsibility and join a different church. Because it's Jesus only, and we're laying our lives down here. 
And I'll tell you what, I'm going to enter the... I am going to enter the gates of glory surrounded by a train of people who I have played a part in their salvation. Is there anything finer than that? Than just not, not getting a bit tired. There's a massive difference between burnout and just being a bit tired and needing an early night. Burnout's when you're rocking back and forth in a dark room, crying with anxiety and depression. That's burnout. I know because I've been there. But sacrifice? For the sake of someone who Jesus laid his life down to bring them into this koinonia, this holy intimate union. Well, let me pick up their dog poo so that Christ may be formed in them. And together we might just join this incredible cloud of witnesses. That we might just be joined in the eternal chorus of heaven. That we might enter and see him face to face if he doesn't return um, before then, we might enter and see him face to face and say, hear from him, well done. You played a part in them finding me. You played a part in them being rescued. You played a part in them getting their heads straight from all the culture of the world, which is just pulling them, da 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 You know what I'm saying. And then the world looks on the koinonia of the saints and says, that's what love looks like. Love looks like turning up and picking up dog poo. Is that all right? Jesus only. I don't know, someone told me a week ago, is this your Vision Sunday talk, James? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I tell you what, we're laying our lives down for this. And if you're not laying your life down, there are some awesome churches where you can go and be lukewarm at. Because I just feel like, how can we give him anything less? I know you are. And I'm overwhelmed and privileged to serve in this place. And I'm not tearing into, please don't hear me this morning. I'm just saying it's time to go up a level. You know, it'd be incredible just to gather it. Think about your KFC leader. It'd be awesome if you got there early, just laid the chairs out, made the coffee, said, can I just come and pray for half an hour before, the, before everybody gathers? Is there anyone I can phone up who's feeling a bit lonely at the moment? Come on, if we were all doing this, we'd eradicate loneliness. We'd eradicate a few people getting tired. Wouldn't we? Out of response to Jesus and all that he's done. Life is a person and he calls us to constantly engage. Let, let me ask you another question. Has everybody, anybody ever judged, anybody with me ever judged anyone in church? I don't know. I, I just, I've been praying, Holy Spirit, convict me. As soon as that thought comes of unrighteousness, so I'm reading my Bible, and Paddy's, Paddy's got this next week. If we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. Now, is it dark to judge somebody? <laughs> so, Spirit of God, take us up a level. And so my question, everybody, this morning is, and I hope you hear my heart, I've got... 
nothing other than Jesus. But as we come out of COVID, this church is to be founded on him. All the little things, you know, we're, we're great at our graphic design and our emails and blah, 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 aren't we? But deep in our core, we know if he doesn't build the church and extend his kingdom, all this is just noise. What do you want? Amen. So the first question that James asked us today was, will you make a throne? Well, he said that Jesus would ask us, will you make a throne for me in your life? So I want to come at that just from two angles. Maybe there's somebody here who's uh, new to all this. You don't know Jesus. The question to you, will you make a throne for me in your life? I just want to give us an opportunity, if anyone is in that place, um, just to, uh, why don't we all just close our eyes for a moment? If, um, if you're sensing a draw to Jesus, and it doesn't matter if you don't, you don't need to know the full gospel just yet, but if you're sensing a draw to Jesus and you've never given your life to him, just, um, if you can indicate, just pop a hand up. Just going to give a moment. Okay. And then secondly, um, will you make a throne for me in your life? I'm sure all of us have equally felt challenged by the word that the Lord has released through James this morning. And what I saw, and you can do this if, um, if you've got the space and your knees can do it, but if not, if you do this just, um, you know, metaphorically, I saw us um, getting down on our knees and bowing before Jesus and asking that question. Where do you want me to build a throne for you in my life? And so let's do that. And you, if you can do that where you are, that's great. Um, but this is fine. You can do this metaphorically as well as physically. So no one's to judge anyone else's way of doing it. We're limited by space and physical stuff as well. So, and let's just take a moment now in the quiet, whether we're physically kneeling or metaphorically doing it. And ask the Lord that question. Where in my life are you asking me to build a throne for you? And just give him a minute or two to speak. So let's do that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The Lord convicts, but conviction doesn't carry with it condemnation. It carries within it a knowing within us that we have to change something. It's not a condemning thing. It's a, I've got that wrong. And it contains with it the power to make the difference.
and maybe you're sensing a conviction, if there's any condemnation, just tell it to buzz off. That's the enemy trying to rob you of an encounter with the Lord. But if there's any sense of conviction, then let's just take a moment to lay down whatever is getting in the way. And if you need to, ask the Lord for a strategy to move into what he's calling you to. Let's take a moment to do that. And so, Father, over all these things that you have spoken today, agree with everyone who's made a decision this morning to change something and ask Holy Spirit that as we go through this week and whatever we're doing in our times with you if we're having that um, if we're reading scriptures or devotionals or whatever it might be that through this week we would check in with 1 John 1, 1 to 4, to be reminded of the journey you've put us on this morning. And that as we read through it this week, uh, you would remind us of this moment right now. And I encourage you, before you go to bed tonight, uh, if there's an action that you need to do to set something up, make sure you've done it before you go to bed tonight. So if you want to stick a reminder on your phone or whatever just to help, but don't go to bed tonight without having started the process. Let's be a people who take seriously the challenges that the Lord brings to us that they would reap the benefits that he is calling us into. And so Holy Spirit, as we, uh, as we go from here, um, I just wanna ask that your blessing would be upon us, upon the decisions that we make, upon the actions that we take to bring transformation so that our path is the narrow path that Jesus calls us to follow. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. We're going to continue in worship, but if you've got children to collect, now is the